You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, we're moving ahead in our series through Psalms as Pastor Josh preaches from Psalm 5. This passage speaks to us about being led in the righteousness of God. Our prayer is that we would be both challenged and encouraged as we listen today. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you open to Psalm 5? Psalm 5 is our text for today, 12 verses, but there are so many great truths that we could, we could live in, just one of these for each sermon, but we won't. We will, we will move forward in that. As you are turning, happy Father's Day to all the fathers and father figures in the room. We are so thankful for you. Uh, I don't know of a greater honor in life uh, than to, to be a dad, uh, but also, and this will play into today a little bit, just to open transparency and vulnerability with you, I don't know of a greater weight uh, that is on this side of eternity for, that I've experienced, of, of knowing that God has saw fit in his sovereign grace to trust lives under your leadership and care and me to know all the inadequacies that I have and think, God, are you sure? Are you, do you, do you know me like I know me? Because if you did, you wouldn't have trusted me with the beauty that sits there. All of that to say, God is sovereign, he is good, and he has placed each and every one of you in this room. I believe not just dads in the room, but all people to hear this word today. Uh, This is not a Father's Day sermon, although I do believe it could fit, okay? Uh, So as we get ready to jump into this, I don't want to move past the awesomeness that came last week. Mark Evans delivered one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard out of Psalm chapter 2. Can we give Mark an appreciation this morning? morning. Brother, thank you so much. It was so good. Uh, as you were set up, hopefully you were here for week one. If not, go back and watch that. If you were here last week, you, you heard what that was about. If you, if you missed both of those, go back and watch them. For Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are the foundational psalm for all of the Psalter. That, that is the collection of the Psalms, okay? So, so Psalm 1 and 2 is the foundation, and then it moves forward in progression. We, we covered it the first week. It's moving us to Psalm 150. It's moving us to worship everything that has breath. Let him praise the Lord. Praise him with all the things that we have. Praise him with all the instruments. Praise him with all of our strength and our mind and our soul. Everything that we have for all of his glory. That's what the Psalms are pointing us toward. Now, Psalm 1 and 2 are the the foundations. Psalm 3 through 6, that's where we're going to find ourselves today in, in, in Psalm 5. But these are the personal prayer psalms. Okay, so, so as you look to them, if you read them carefully, so if you start in Psalm 3, go to 4, go to 5, where we're going to be today, and then the 6, you'll notice a pattern begin to emerge. Here, here's the pattern that you'll see. In Psalm 3, you'll notice that the psalmist, the, 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 the author of that psalm, is going to pray in the morning. And then Psalm 4, he is going to pray in the evening. And then Psalm 5, that's today's psalm, is going to pray in the morning. And then in Psalm 6, he's going to pray again in the evening. And the idea is this, that, that our worship to the Father isn't just something that is to be done one day a week for one hour, but it is to be done all day, every day, when we wake up in the morning till we go to bed at night, that God should be all-consuming in our life. That's why if we were to get there, and we're not, but if you were to go to Deuteronomy 6 and look at the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it's this idea that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And he says this instruction to them that you are going to make sure you remember this. You, you put it as a frontlets between your eyes. Put it, put it as, as bracelets on your hand. Put it on the doorpost of your house, on the gate of your, your fence. When you go out, you'll see it when you come back in. The call of the Christian life, the call of the child of God is just to be with your father. Now, we would call that worship, and I, I think a lot of times we get confused on what worship is. Let me, let, me, let me try to be clear before we jump in. Sometimes we get confused on worship, what worship is because we believe that worship has to be what you just watched for 20 minutes. And a lot of times that can be overwhelming for you if you are not Mike Hader, Chris Grote. I try to sing sometimes and my family just shakes their head. The Lord just said, make a joyful noise. It didn't have to be good, right? So, so we understand. But, but a lot of times, if we believe that this is what worship is, then that means a lot of times we can't do it. No, 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 no. This is an expression of corporate worship. We are called to personal worship with every breath that we have in our bodies. And you say, well, Josh, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I, how, how does one even begin to be a worshiper from the time that they wake up to the time that they go to sleep? There's 150 opportunities to learn it in the Psalms. Because that's what this whole collection of Psalms is all about. So as we are in a morning Psalm today, more like, like the sun is coming up and we are worshiping God, we are in Psalm chapter five, right? So, so not only uh, are the Psalms beautiful, but they are sovereignly arranged by God. They are designed to be personal and congregational guides for powerful and authentic worship. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what current state that your heart or mind or soul would be in. This is why I love the Psalms so much. Nowhere in here is, are you going to read that you need to get your life together more before you come worship. Nowhere in here are you going to read that you need to fake worship until you make worship. Nowhere at all will you see. The Psalms tell you that you are less than because you are going through a season of hurt or doubt or insecurity, or pain. This is why I love Psalm 5 so much, because it is real life. It holds the brokenness of this life and the hope that our God holds us in his hand. Both of those things are true. They are in view in this Psalm, and they show us how we can trust the sovereignty of God when life is really hard. King David is the author of this Psalm, and he is broken over the reality of his and Israel's current state. And he does the only thing that he knows how to do, the only right thing to do. That in his place of desperation, he goes to the Father early in the morning and he puts it all before him. Now let's listen in to the morning prayer. Look at verse one. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. All right, now, important part, as we read this psalm and any other psalm, or really most scriptures for that matter, when we are reading in the Old Testament and you see the word Lord, if you're not careful and if you're, if you're not, not, not a student of the Old Testament, then the potentially your mind can go, well, are they talking to the Lord Jesus? Because he's my Lord, right? So, so why would they use the word Lord and it not be about Jesus? Well, anytime you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the proper name of God. That's Yahweh, 
Okay, so we see that here. That is going to be what is in view in Psalm chapter and uh, Psalm five. And so when we, we look to this, I want to be clear. He is not speaking to the Lord Jesus. He is speaking to Father God. Okay, so, so just to be clear when we get here, he is speaking to Yahweh, which is the, the proper and most formal name of God, which is not something that any Hebrew would ever do flippantly. All right, now that we have that understanding, I want to address a, a pervasive idea that lives in the heart and mind of many Christ followers. It needs to be talked about, and it will be addressed as we move through these Psalms. And here, here's the thought. How can God, infinite and holy, creator and sustainer of the whole world, ever have time for my small and seemingly insignificant life? Why should I bring my cares and my concerns to him? when he has much bigger issues to deal with. Even though my life has fallen apart and I have no clue where to turn or to run or even take the next step, I'm not gonna bother God because he seems to be so busy. Sometimes I hear it like this as if it's an honorable thing. I've never asked God for anything a day in my life. Can I tell you how incredibly sad that is? That, that if you have never asked God for anything a day in your life, what that tells me is you're trying to do life on your own and you are not created to do that. Yes, God is the creator and the sustainer of the world. Yes, he holds eternity in the palm of his hands. But he is not too busy to hear from you. He is not too busy to care for you or to love you or to lead you or to guide you. The enemy wants you to stay away from him for if he gets you to stay away from the wisdom of the Father, then you only can rely on the wisdom of the enemy. And so I am begging you with all that I am as we read this psalm, don't see it as something that was written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. See it as something of God inviting you into a sacred relationship with him. For each and every one of us, we are dealing with life and life is hard. No doubt every day. It's not just once or twice a month. It's not just once or twice a year. It is all day every day that we are completely completely overwhelmed with decisions to make because we don't know what to do. And the Father says, come and ask. Come and sit, come and be, come and enjoy, come and receive. This is the Father's invitation for us. I want to be as clear as I possibly can. God has created you. The reason for your creation is for constant communion connection and conversation with God. That's why he created you. That's why you have life. He desires to talk to you through his word. He desires and delights in a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son. If the prevailing thought that I just talk about, that, that what I just talked about hits close home to you, I would encourage you to throw that prevailing thought away and talk to your heavenly father. Tell him everything. Ask him anything. This constant communication will be life-giving for you. And you may say, Josh, I hear you, but I don't even know where to start. I'm not a super expressive or vulnerable person. I don't come from a super expressive or vulnerable people. That's one of the many reasons that we have, as, as leaders in your church, decided to spend some time in the psalm this summer. 
The Psalms invite us into the presence of God. They show us how to engage our Heavenly Father in every season, in every situation of our lives, but especially the hard seasons. Here in verse 1, David asked the Lord to hear his groaning. Groaning in, in this instance is, is not even a word. It is the sound of the agonizing soul. So, so if, if we are understanding what, what King David, King of Israel, is saying to God, God, I don't even have words to tell you what I need to tell you. I'm just telling you, please listen to my heart. It is breaking, and I need you, I need you to hear it. And then he goes on. Look at verse 2. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. So we, we get a little bit of a, an anatomy of the prayer. So let's look at it. He begins with an honest ask. He says, please God, hear my groaning. And then, then he goes on, and then he, he trusts and submits to what he knows more than what he feels. That's important, all right? So I want to say it one more time. He will trust and submit to what he knows more than what he feels. Here are the two things that he says to the Father. You are my king, you are my God. Now again, I want to be clear on who is saying this. The author of this psalm is King David. He is the earthly king. I know we don't do a lot of kings around here. England just got a new one. But this is the guy who would be head over all others. He is leading God's people, which by, by virtue would be the biggest military power on the planet. For if God is for you, who could ever stand against you? And you have this man who humbles himself and says, you are my God. You are my king. To you alone do I pray. Submission here is a huge deal for King David. And it should be for us today as well. David was the king. He was appointed and anointed by God. But in all of his own hype, he never lost sight of where his strength and protection came from. Can I ask us a question today? You don't need to answer out loud, but I, I do believe you need an answer in your heart. Do you really think you're in control of your life? You know control's an illusion, right? You, you, can, you could have set up this life and it could have fallen in order exactly how you wanted it to or decided it to, and all it takes is a phone call, a text message, or an email, and everything is upside down. You're not in control of your life because you're not God. I'm not in control of my life because I'm not God. King David understood that. So in his prayer, what he is saying to the Father is, I want you to hear my cry, but I also want you to know you are my king and you are my God. I submit myself to you. So church family, in this worship, morning and evening and throughout every day, it is this idea that we submit ourselves to the Father. We are thankful for what he blessed us with, but we must understand this. We are not sovereign over this place. We trust him for he is good. Yahweh is the true king. Yahweh is God, and there is no other. Look at verse 3. O Lord, in the morning, this is where we get the morning prayer. O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. And in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. 
So, so this verse along with Psalm 3, 4, and 6 lead us to understand that David is praying in communication with God morning and evening, day after day. In the morning, he would, David's practice would be to make a sacrifice that's acceptable as God's standard would be. And he would submit it to the Father and then he would, this is absolutely revolutionary church, don't miss it. The, the ESV says, and he would watch. The, the thought, the prevailing thought behind this is, and he would wait. What would he wait on? God. So his worship in the morning was essentially this. God, I come and bring you all that I have and all that you've asked for, and I lay it down before you. And I'll just wait on you. This is the king. This is the king of Israel who has so much to do, so many responsibilities, so many decisions to make. And his first act every single morning is bring his life before the Lord and wait. How often, church, do we do that? I'm not asking how often do we wake up in the morning and do we read our Bible. I'm not asking how many days a week do we wake up and, and we enjoy a cup of coffee as we flip through the Bible app. But how often do we come before the Lord before anything else starts in our day and we sit with the Lord and we just wait? We wait for his wisdom. We wait for his peace. We wait for his care in our life. This is the call. This is what King David is doing. This is inviting us in to show us what this sacred relationship is to look like. He sat, he waited, unrushed, not distracted. He waited for the Lord to give him all that he would need for the day, and when he was filled, he would go. In his sitting in God's presence, he would talk to God as if he were talking to a friend. Here's a bit of the conversation and how it would go in his waiting. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. For you are not a God who delights in the wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. It's not really an encouraging morning quiet time, is it? But just a quick refresher, okay? The Lord didn't need to be reminded of his own attributes. But David did. David needed the daily reminder of who God was and what God stood for. So that was part of his practice every day. And David's reminder of God's goodness and faithfulness came through his morning and evenings with the Father. Just so that we're all on the same page. These are not the only attributes of God. But these are attributes that pertain to the current situation that David and all of Israel found themselves in. I say that to say this, sometimes we can get stuck in our personal morning and evenings with God, thinking and saying the same thing day after day, night after night, because we get into this religious mode where we start the prayer the same way, we say the prayer the same way, and we end the prayer the same way. And there is nothing about what is actually going on in our life. Hear me out. God doesn't need your update. But you need to understand what's going on in your life. And sometimes it's not until we pray it that we understand it. That's why many of you guys journal. 
So many of you guys, when you go to counseling and you start to voice things and it becomes real when it comes off your lips because it's reality. That's all built in with a relationship with the Father. That morning and evening, we have a friend who knows us better than we know ourselves and we can confess all the fears that we have in our life. So if you were to go back up and you were to reread verses four, five, and six, what David is saying is, God, we know what you stand for. But if you read it carefully, what you hear is, God, I'm terrified that these things are going on around us. God, so, so, so read it again. Look, look with me. God, we know you don't delight in wickedness, but there's so much wickedness around me. You've, you've told me to be the king of your people, God, but there's so much wickedness around us. And God, there's wickedness in us. We know, God, that the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. God, there's a lot of boastful people out there. It seems that everywhere we turn, there's people standing, and they are, they are not only neutral to your name, but they hate your name. But God, it looks like they're winning. God, what are we to do? You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the, the deceitful man. God, we know that that's true, but why are there so many around us? Why does it feel like everywhere we go that we are under attack? That would be David's heart as he's praying this. Transparency and vulnerability before the king, David, before King God. And so as we come this morning, this is an invitation to come and to see what personal worship would look like. As you would spend morning and evening with your father, he is not asking you to be religious. He is asking you to have an authentic relationship with him. What are you most fearful of? Share that with him. What are you most excited about? Share that with him. He knows, but you need to know that he knows and that he cares. But the next word that we look at is going to shift this psalm from a negative view, the things that, that are maybe, maybe, God, you need to see all this bad stuff that's going on, to more of a positive view. Look at verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. All right, so again, who wrote this psalm? David. He is the king. He has every right to say, I will go where I want to go and do what I want to do. But I want you to note how this psalm is written, how verse th uh, 7 is written. He says, but I. Notice that there is a comma, more than likely, and then there is a statement, and then another comma, and then it will say in I will enter your house, but there is a qualification there. He doesn't walk in arrogantly. David is not walking in because he's king of Israel and he showed his credentials card. He walks in the only way anyone walks in, through the abundance of God's steadfast love. So what the king is telling God and what we are learning from this interaction today is the only reason that we can have a relationship with the Father is because of the grace and the mercy that he has lavished on us. God loves you. He sees you. He sees all of your flaws and he invites you in. He invites you into a relationship back with himself through Christ, his son, but more to that as we get closer to the end. It's an abundance of steadfast love, not just a little steadfast love. Not just a ration of steadfast love to get us by, but an overflowing ocean of steadfast love. 
And the only right response to that, David says, and I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. The only right response is a physical and spiritual expressive worship. Bowing down towards the presence of God. Why? What's the reason? Why, why, why should we come and worship? Why should morning and evening we come? Well, according to, to David, in this day and age, they're surrounded by weakness, uh, wickedness. In the company of evil, hearing nothing but boastful and sinful people, having lying tongues speak all kinds of lies against them. That's one reason. But the main reason, David says, because I am in fear of you. And again, sometimes if you're new to the Bible, you hear the word fear, fear God, fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It may sound like if, if you interchange what you understand as fear with that word that's there, it may sound like you are terrified of him, that if you don't worship him rightly, he's going to get you, so you better worship him rightly. That's not what this is saying. This idea of being fearful of the Lord or fearing God is this awe-filled respect it is being so enamored with who he is and his glory that everything else in this world begins to fade away and all you see is all that he is. And so that's why we can worship in the midst of wickedness and evil and boastful sin and all kinds of lies being told about you. We can worship God because in the presence of God, those things aren't there. This is the power of everyday personal worship with the Father, morning and evening, when we are inundated by the lies of the enemy, we are inundated by the failings of this world, we can go to the Father, we turn our face to his dwelling place, and we worship him, and all of the noise becomes quiet. This is the invitation to come, to sit, and to be with the Father. And all of the evil that this world has to offer, God's children can worship. They can come, rest, sit, and be encouraged. Look at what David says next as he continues in worship. Look at verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. So in awe and wonder, in respect and humility, he, the king of Israel, asked God to lead him. In God's righteousness, not, not his own way. He doesn't go to God and say, hey, you've made me the king, so evidently you've seen some, some good leadership qualities in me. I got this plan, I want you to go. So God, if you could just give me some blessing on top, then I can make this thing happen. His prayer is nothing like that. His prayer says, God, I trust you. You lead me in your way. Oh, church, if, if we could, this is one of those places we could just live and, and encamp. Because how many times do we go to the Lord in prayer with our plan and we don't ask him for wisdom, we just ask him for blessing. We say, God, I got it all figured out. If you could just give me the things I need to do to do my plan, then glory to your name. That's not what he's calling us to do. His plan is potentially going to be totally different than your plan. Here's why. Because at the end of our plan usually is our glory. And at the end of his plan, usually is his glory. And when we stand before him at the end of time, we're not the ones sitting on glory seat. It is Christ. So just think with me for a moment. Whose plan is better? Sure, it may not go the way that you think it should. 
It may not take you the path that you think it should take. It may not, and this is the hardest part, I think, for me and probably for you too. It may not use the same time frame that you wished it would. But God is faithful and he is true. His plan is unwavering. He can be trusted. And through it all, he will receive all glory and honor. So David, king of Israel, asked the Lord to lead him in God's righteousness. The king of Israel is honest and vulnerable with God. He says, because of my enemies, God, I don't know what to do. So show me what you want from me. Show me how to make my, my path straight and I'll walk in it. You just show me, God, where you want me to go and I'll go. And then David goes back to kind of the wickedness of his enemies. Look at, look at verse 9. For there's no truth in their mouth, God. For their innermost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongues. See, this verse may sound strange to some because it may, again, sound like David is trying to inform God of all the failings of the other people in the world, as if God didn't know. God does know. God knows and is well aware of the depth of every human and their depravity. He's fully aware of every deed of every soul. So why does David go into such great detail about their wickedness? Because that's exactly the wickedness that David was experiencing. Again, not to bang the drum more, but let's hit it one more time. In our prayer time, in our waiting with the Lord, in our sitting with him, I would encourage you, if I could, if you could hear me, be specific in your conversation with him. Again, not because he needs your specificity, but you do. There are things that are deep in the dark recesses of your heart and soul that you have repressed for years, that if you were honest before the Lord and you laid it out bare before him, you would become undone in the greatest and holiest of ways. But too often we decide, nope, I don't want God to see that, so I'm just going to hide it. Jesus has made us born again, yet we're still acting like Adam and Eve after they got caught. David brings it back around to very specific things because he is walking through very specific things. We are too, church. The Psalms aren't just designed to be informative, but they're also designed to be instructive. See, the, the righteous can learn a lot from the wicked. Like, what is wickedness? What would, what would God consider to be wicked? What, what would be something that we could be entrenched in that would be called wickedness? Here's what David says. For these people, there were no truth in their mouths. At the core of who they were, they were broken. They were, they were living in destruction. All of their words were flattering, but they only spoke death. God's people should know wickedness so they can make sure that they don't run in it. I think there's also a great opportunity for us when we read the Psalms to, to do a little measuring of our life. Not in the sense of, of we're, we're going to try to be perfect, but in the sense of we want to walk in holy sanctification. What God has called wicked, we need to understand it's wicked. What God has called wrong, we need to understand what is wrong. And hear me out, what God has called right, we need to understand that that's right. Without going back and preaching all 30 weeks of Romans, that was a lot of their issues. They got the right and wrong a little mixed up. God's people should know wickedness. So we should not continue to walk in it for a myriad of reasons, but mostly because God will not stand for wickedness. Here's David's ask of the Lord. 
Look at verses 10 and following. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. And those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Can we just take a few moments? Only have a few left. Let's do it. Refuge, protection, and shield. These are three words that are really important for us to take heart in. See, the Psalms individually and as a whole invite us into an authentic relationship every day in our real life. They give us the correct lens in which we are able to see clearly and navigate faithfully as we see God's will for our life. But if we use a different lens, a non-biblical lens to look through, we are going to be woefully misled. Here's what a non-biblical lens, yet a very religious lens, can look and sound like. God would never give you heartache. God would never put you in a situation that would bring you in any sort of danger. You're exhausted? That can't be from God. He would never allow that to be a part of your life. Church, that's not true. That's not true at all. John 16, says this, Jesus' words, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Christ himself said his followers are going to have a hard go. But we don't have to get caught up in that because we know that Christ has overcome this world. And so we have to understand we need a good biblical worldview, a lens in which to look through. And it is this, life is hard. This world is broken and we have a very real enemy. As our worship team comes back up, the invitation this morning isn't for you to try harder or be better. Hear me out, because I know we talked about it being a personal worship time morning and evening. The goal isn't for you to try harder or be better in your personal worship times. Although, listen to me, they are extremely beneficial for the follower of Christ. To spend time with the Father. The invitation is to come to the Father. To take refuge in him. To find your protection in him. And when the enemy is constantly attacking you and your family, that you lead your family to him and you allow him to cover you and be your shield. In the mornings, come to the Father and wait. In the evenings, come to the Father and wait. The prophet Isaiah said this, Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles to the top. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. So dads, moms, Grandparents, sons and daughters, come to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. Let today be the day that you find rest and peace and eternal hope.
as we move into this response time and opportunity for giving. I want you to hear me again clearly. So I spent 35 minutes in a sermon. Let me spend about three minutes more just talking to you. I don't know why it is this way, but I'm telling you it is because it is with me. I like, I like to have things together. I love to help people. I don't like to be helped. Anybody else feel that? Just me? Fantastic. Bunch of liars, we're going to repent. You need Jesus. Great. That's just something that's inside of us. We, by God's grace, have had our hearts broken to generosity. If you need anything, tell me. We're going to move heaven and earth to give it to you, to make sure that you have everything that you need. But let me have a need. Let me have something that that potentially somebody else on the outside could look at and say, there's a a bust in that armor right there. And we become fearful and scared and we do much like Adam and Eve did in the garden and we hide and we cover. It's just the nature of humanity. It's where we are. I know I'm not alone. What this psalm teaches us is if the king of Israel, David, God's anointed and appointed morning and evening would come vulnerably and transparently before the father and he would say God here is all the ways that I am terribly insufficient to do what you've called me to do I can't do it until you show up and lead me what makes us think that we are any better than that God is calling us into a relationship hear me out the morning and evening is not walking into the principal's office The morning and evening is coming to sit with our Father who is good and loves us and knows us and still chooses to care for us. And so with all the hangups that we may have across this place with whatever our families of origin are, I know there's a lot. I'm telling you we have a good Father. He's not mad at you. He's not here to tell you all the ways that you've blown it or messed up. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Now whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We are invited to come to the Father, morning and evening, throughout every day. But sin has separated us from him. Our own way has separated us from the Father's way. And there is no way to get back. You can't make it better on your own. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man can get to the Father unless he comes through me. And so the invitation is always this. Come to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. For they know you fully. They see you completely. And the invitation is still come. Stop hiding. Stop running. Stop trying to control it all. It's exhausting. You are not meant to do it. 
So this morning as I pray, as the Holy Spirit leads, I pray that you would come. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the honesty, the transparency of David. Thank you for the instruction on how we can have a relationship with you in the morning and in the evenings. Thank you, Father, for the reminder, the truth that you are our fortress, you are our shield, you are our protection. And so, Lord, I pray across this room that your spirit would move, that you would shake alive our cold, dead hearts. You would shake anew our sleeping souls. God, that we may come and we may come and find rest in you. So Jesus, we ask that you would be glorified in all that happens today and with every breath that we have left. We love you, Lord, and it's in your powerful name that we pray and we now stand, respond, and give. Church, would you stand with me?